All right, welcome back to My Brother's Deeper podcast, where two brothers talk about religion and life. One's a pastor, one's a writer. One lives in England, one lives in Chicago, America, otherwise known as the Rufus and Percy Show. And this week we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel, which is a, a really interesting and important story in the Bible. And also for modern civilization. So last time I kind of teased, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing where there's a science fiction book. And I got to tell you something. I did a lot of research for this one. Well, more research than I did for other previous episodes. And it was actually pretty enjoyable because it went into this. I found myself in this place that was very, it's a very interesting subject for me. And it's about consciousness and all that stuff. So we'll get to that later. But I just wanted to say that it kind of circles back to some things that we've talked about before. Okay. All right. I'm curious. I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah. So the story of the Tower of Babel, and you you should help me out with this, but all of these – so they're in a place – a lot of people think the Tower of Babel – there's a name for it in the Bible, but like – some people think it's Babylon. Is that correct? Or well, I think that it comes the, the name Babel and Babylon comes from the same root word. So the, the, so there's a connection there in regards to the origin of the word and and each each come from that same root, which essentially is a uh, a verb which means to confuse or to mix or to mingle. And so I think so, Babylon in the Bible was always symbolic not only of a literal place but also symbolic of philosophies and thoughts and religions constantly mixing to each other and being very synchronistic well in my research i I found that group of people are descendants of noah right yeah after uh after noah's ark everybody is essentially descendants of noah and his son so yeah basically this is pretty close to that right like pretty close after uh, the flood well, it's close in regards to it's a chapter afterwards in Genesis, but you know Genesis 10 talks about all the generations of the sons of Noah, and you know there's an entire chapter filled with names. So the amount of time that this represents obviously is you know generations and generations and generations. So this group of people they decide to build a a tower, right? They're trying to reach heaven. They're trying to reach God, right? Yeah, I mean uh, that's kind of the the implication. I mean, yeah, it, they literally say in Genesis chapter eleven, you know, let's build ourselves a city and a tower, uh, so where its tops is top is in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, um, and let, so that we're not dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So yeah, there, there's a sense that um, the known world at the time. You know, was somewhat condensed in a particular area and that they got together and they started going, hey, you know, let's let's actually combine resources. Let's uh, come together and cooperate into a point where essentially the beginning of chapter 11 says now the whole earth. So the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east. They found a plain in the land and settled there. So, yeah, 
essentially that's what had happened. Everyone came together. It's like everyone deciding, all right, let's all meet in Chicago and uh, kind of go from there. I mentioned Babylon, and that in some translation translates to Gate of God. Have you heard of that? I've not heard that, no. So anyway, they're building this this tower to God and well let, let me so let me clarify it's not it's not to him in the sense that it's you know in his honor it's to essentially be on equal par yeah. with him yeah right so it's yeah. really it's really an act of rebellion at least that's how God sees it according to Genesis 11 right he gets scared maybe you think he got scared <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say no, but I can see no? how people – yeah, I don't think he's scared. I think he uh, he does it with reason and with a purpose, and I think that purpose connects with his overall reason and purpose for creating to begin with. So I think, I think he's cons- he's obviously concerned um, because he does – it does say something, which is – there's a pretty interesting note here that people would struggle with as Christians because it says – you know, he he comes down and he says, "Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language." And then he goes, "And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them." So he recognizes the power and and the possibility of humankind's achievement. Um, and so that, for various reasons, I think, concerns him, and he decides to step in. It almost seems like it's kind of the opposite of the Garden of Eden, where he does give them the freedom, the, the freedom mm-hmm. to sort of, well, in the Garden of Eden, like they're sort of unaware of things until they eat the apple, right? Yeah, definitely. And then they are aware. So it also, it's almost like God is trying to keep not certain knowledge away from the people. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't say it's the knowledge that he's trying to keep away from them. I think he's trying to to protect them from themselves. Actually, that's what I would say. I think this is like a, I think the picture is here of a father who sees his children, you know, building a huge treehouse uh, because they want their treehouse to be taller than the house that they live in with their parents. And the father comes out and says, you know what, this is really dangerous. You need to stop. And I think that's what God's doing here. Okay. I ran across some names though when I was reading about this, and one of them is the great one of the greatest names, right? Nimrod. Nimrod. Totally. So Nimrod was the grandson of Ham. <laughs> Who is the son of Noah. Yeah, but I ran across something that was interesting in this and it goes back to the Garden of Eden as well, is like Ham, Nimrod, grandson of Ham, had inherited the clothes of Adam. Made out of the skin of the serpent. What? What? Where did you read that at? I don't know. The internet. (laughs) Yeah, so... You ever heard of that? Never. I've never heard of that. No. Never heard of that at all. I mean, that that definitely... And here's part of the thing, is that throughout time, obviously, there have been people who've taken, you know, the Bible, the Old Testament, the, uh, the Torah... And they've added their own interpretations and their own commentaries. And and over time, like particularly within Judaism, some of those commentaries and some of those um, thoughts have become 
equal with the text itself. You know, so like that's that's kind of the whole thing with the Catholic religion. The Catholic religion essentially said, you know, all the writings of the popes and that sort of stuff is so important that we're going to say they're just as holy as the actual word of God itself. So it wouldn't surprise me that that that's a speculation or something that maybe a rabbi, you know, thousands of years ago was like, let me write that down because that makes sense. And then it just got preserved and repeated over and over but biblically speaking there's no there's there's no text or foundation uh from which you could draw that conclusion i mean literally i'm looking at i'm looking at nimrod the first time nimrod i think is mentioned is in genesis chapter 10 and as one of the sons actually it says uh the son of ham was cush egypt put in canaan and Cush fathered Nimrod. So Nimrod is actually the grandson of Ham, which would be the great yeah. grandson of Noah. Um, and it says he was the first on earth to be a mighty man. Now it's interesting because in the biblical language that would be a that would be a key, that would be a code word for a negative connotation in many ways. Right. You get the feeling that Nimrod was a Nimrod. <laughs> That's right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, because right after he was that, kind of controversial, right? Like they, there, there yeah. were things that I ran across that, like maybe he was the one that was spearheading the tower. Well, it says it says literally right after that, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Mm. So, so he definitely okay. is, you know, in cahoots with all that sort of stuff. And then from that, from, you, you know, eventually from that um, is where like Sodom and Gomorrah come from. You know, so there's direct relation to that. So yeah, they're they're definitely painting him in a negative light. So yeah, Nimrod, great name. I'm assuming that's how that got into like <laughs> our vernacular. It's like that dude's a Nimrod. Yeah. Also, don't you think the do you think the name Ham is ironic? <laughs> I mean, because they're all Jewish people, right? They don't eat pork. It's very ironic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm sure it meant some, I don't know exactly what it meant then. I'm sure it meant something else. I think maybe like it doesn't it means like ham, like it means pork and like that family was just like nobody they were like, so. man, that family that family's crazy. That, they probably maybe they were eating pork. Stay away. Who knows? Stay away from them, dude. So there was another thing that I ran across as a bit of a side tangent was like there are three heavens. So, yeah. So so basically kind of in ancient times, what what uh, people would do in order to describe what they saw is anything that was in the air was considered the heavens. So traditionally what would be said is like the first heavens would be what we would call the sky. Or the atmosphere. The second heaven would be the stars. And then the third heaven would be where God resided. Right. So it was was basically their way of just saying the sky and outer space. And basically the tower was being built to that first heaven. Yeah, I think. But but more than likely there, you know, I'm, I'm sure their scientific understanding of how high it really was and you know how far they needed to go was limited so they're just like you just go as high as you can 
and we'll reach God. You know, that was probably their their logical conclusion of that. Um, yeah. Which I think brings up uh, – to me, the, the interesting thing about the Tower of Babel is this whole idea of, okay, well, in our continually homogenized world where – you know, where where the globe has shrunk and you're able to I mean, literally, you and I are able to talk to each other like we're in the same room and we're thousands of miles, thousands of miles away. And everything can be Google translated and you can have access to things at your fingertips instantly. At what point does technology serve mankind versus hinder mankind? And I think that's part of what at least the Tower of Babel begins to kind of hint at or unveil is like at what point is is technology something that needs to be limited for our own good at this point though like to make like a sort of contemporary view of it there's more less and less sort of god stepping in to to fix these kind of things right like nowadays do you see things like that happening because like technology seems to have run amok Oh, it definitely has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess in, in the way that is so direct as this, where, you know, l- literally God disperses the known world to the ends of the earth. Yeah. I, I mean, that that obviously hasn't happened. But I think you could say as well that, you know, depending on how you view circumstances and the tide of history, I think you could say that that God has through other means stepped in to allow things or 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 to uh, have his plan unfold in a way. But yeah, I mean I I think I think that's a I think it's a secondary issue. Like I know I brought it up um probably maybe as like a primary one, but I really do think it's a secondary issue of why God actually stepped in. Like I think God essentially stepped in because it was him saying, "Listen, um, th- there is there is danger in the world being completely homogenized. I think that there's actually more value to humankind um, when humankind is diverse. And you got to remember too. I mean, this is again not that far removed from him, as you mentioned, talking to Adam and Eve and saying, "I'm creating you, and one of the things that I want you to do is I want you to populate the earth." And I want you to populate the earth because that's more people who are made in the image of me. Um, and can 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 move about doing what I created the world to do. So if everyone's being being brought into the same area, that mission is not being accomplished. People are not being dispersed throughout the world. Um, and so I think God is saying, listen, I, th- that's part of what needs to happen here um, is is to is to show that there's beauty in diversity and uh, and there's beauty in being all throughout my creation, not just in one particular area and a particular area where you're trying to essentially create a world where I'm not needed. Sounds he sounds sounds like he's mad. He's on the run. He's got to do something. <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah, I think he's I think being mad is probably a better descriptor. Yeah, because that definitely is something you see quite often is God expressing his anger. So. I mentioned this book. It's called Snow Crash. And it's written in the eighties, mid eighties, by a guy named Neil Stevenson. And uh, as I said, the Tower of Babel plays a big part. 
in it. And it's a book that is considered what they call cyberpunk. Okay. So in the it's in the 80s and it's set in the near future. And most of it takes place in a virtual world. So people are logging on to computers and and living in this world on the internet. And this is pre, you know, pre-internet. So this book is sort of predicting cutting edge. Yeah, cutting edge. And in it is so Snow Crash is a virus for computers that makes your computer crash and like it's also a drug in the real world. And this guy who writes the book sort of ties in ancient Sumerian stories, which is something we've mentioned before briefly, Sumeria, which is sort of they have their own tale of of the Tower of Babel as well. Okay. So in that, there's a story about a guy named Inkai, and I guess he was some sort of religious figure or philosopher or something. Anyway, there's a thing called a Namshub. Have you ever heard of this? No. So it's basically like what you were saying about God coming in and sort of dispersing like people and uh, creating different diversity of languages. But in this, so Sumerian language uh, allowed brain function to be programmed using audio stimuli. So everything is like passed down by, by word of mouth, right? There's nothing written down. Right, oral tradition. So he's making these parallels of like how information is transferred between people, right? In the future, it's all computers, right? Computer programming. So it's subject to viruses. Okay. So he's making the making a correlation that speech as well can be can be corrupted too. So in the Sumerian tale, like everyone's speaking the same language, just like in the Bible. And in that language, the sort of local religion could use it to sort of brainwash people. Hmm. So he's making this correlation that religion is a virus, basically. Right. And that this Inkai creates this Namshub, and a Namshub is a spell, an incantation or magic spell that corrupts language. And within that, corruption of the language it created sub languages mm-hmm. which is all the different languages that we see today okay but the thing that that led me to was this thing this book another book written by this guy named julian james it's called the origin of consciousness uh and the breakdown of the bicameral mind so this guy had like a he has like this crazy philosophy that the consciousness that we have today only came around about 3000 years ago. And the bicameral mind is, which is something we were previous to what we have now, which is that we weren't very conscious. Like we lacked uh, the ability to, for introspection and that we didn't have any autobiographical memory and that the right hemisphere would transmit to the left hemisphere via audio hallucination, auditory hallucination. So he was saying that maybe there was a lot more schizophrenia back then. Hmm. And that constitutes like people hearing voices. 
and interpreted them like as voices from God. And his proof is in the Iliad and the Odyssey that they're totally, they're t- totally, you know, they're supposed to be written by Homer, mm-hmm. but nobody knows if that's true. But that they are totally written differently. That the Odyssey is way more introspective and uses metaphor. Mm-hmm. And he believes that metaphor is like uh, uh, metaphorical language was the the precursor to like the way we we think now and the way our consciousness had evolved because there was some sort of there was some sort of breakdown in that bicameral mind mode that makes any sense but also so also there's a thing in the old he cites the old testament too as like if you look at the book of amos yeah has none of the features of some latter books as ecclesiates Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Yeah. So well, he's I, saying that there was like a different form of like the these books were written differently. Uh, yeah. I, and so I guess I'm tr- I'm struggling to understand why that's a huge issue. Because if they're written by different people in different times, wouldn't that make sense? Well, he's saying there was a different sort of mind writing them though. Like a, like is in the Iliad, I guess there's not a lot of metaphor are none and then in the odyssey there is he's saying there was a shift in the way the conscious mind worked Hmm. so tying that back to the tower of babel i think that that's what the tower of babel that moment of the tower of babel was was like the shift in the in the in our conscious mind of how we saw things in the change in language i mean it's an interesting theory I guess I guess I would come back yeah, to, I mean, to just yeah I guess I would come back to go okay like it'd be interesting to know like scientifically if there was a way to trace that and to to be able to kind of go okay well what does that what does that actually look like and how would that be charted um, in regards to you know proof at that time that sort of thing so I mean I do think like. I think you're right in the sense that that definitely should be looked at as a moment in time where language shifted. So however you want to explain that as far as, you know, use of metaphor, I'm not sure about that. But language definitely shifted in some way. Language became more important in regards to, you know, having multiple languages actually a richer expression of creation than just one language because you know you think about like the way we talk about things in the english language and we have words um to describe certain things and yet in another language they may not even have a word to describe that concept you know or vice versa and so when you look at that and you go okay in in studying someone's language and how they talk and how they express themselves it's a reflection of their culture it's a reflection of the values in that culture. And so to me, I think when you begin to look at different languages, again, you just see kind of – it's almost like a diamond you know, where you have all these different facets. And you can look at one particular facet on that diamond and still be struck by the beauty of it, but you just – you barely turn it, and you see a completely new dimension and new you know, facet of that, and yet the beauty, instead of being contained, is, is, is multiplied. So I guess that's where I come into it and go, okay, I actually think it's a it's an incredible testimony to 
the Christian understanding of the Tower of Babel and saying that it's a good thing to be different, you know, in a world where we where we almost expect everyone now to accept and to tolerate a particular way of life. Right. Like like everyone has to be equal. Everyone has to be able to be accepted. Everyone should be able to participate or do what they what they want to do. And if you speak out against that and are different, that's bad. Well, it almost seems to be like, no, that's actually better for humanity. You know, rather than us all being the same and being vanilla, it's actually it's actually better. And that includes not just your the way you live, but it includes the way that you think as well and the way you express yourself. But I also think that it's created like uh, barriers between people, you know, like the, the the ability to communicate to with people is hard when you speak when even when you speak the same language, you True. know. But yeah. we because we talked about this, you were talking. I think this touches on what something you're just saying was like the different. So like within the English language, how many different words we have for one thing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like the things that I've heard about people who are trying to learn English is like that's the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. we have all these different phrases for one thing, all these different words for one thing. But imagine that, you know, like you don't speak the same languages. I mean, that does create a barrier, though. Like, wouldn't you want like to be understood by everyone? And like maybe the world would be better place if we did sort of what if we just say this since we're on this, you know, we've mentioned science fiction and all that. What if we did have telepathy? Don't you think things would be like because we talked about how and previously about communicating about how oftentimes we don't say the thing we don't know how to say the thing whatever's in our mind never translate and like often gets lost in translation once it once it hits the mouth and comes out you know but what if we could read each other's minds? Don't you think like I don't know maybe there I'm sure there's there's probably bad things to that too, but <laughs> yeah, I think it would be worse, honestly, because I think you think so. so? I what do. if it was like, what if it was like, you? What if you could? I, I don't want everybody to know, know the what, meaning of things. Well, I don't want everybody to know what I'm, everything that comes to my brain, because that's part of the community. I think that's part of the art of communication is being able to also filter. And so, while like on the surface, you're absolutely right. Like in many ways, it would be easier if you didn't have these barriers. But because we have the barriers, I think it forces us to work harder and also to acknowledge that communication is not just words. Communication is body language. Communication is tone. Communication is, um, you know, emotion expressed through, you know, your facial expressions and, and those sorts of things. And so I think in a way it actually forces us um, not just to take things on face value in regards to what are the actual words being said. But really understanding like what is the what is the meaning and emotion and the experience that you as a particular human being and person are trying to communicate. So I I think it I think it you know that moment when you're talking to someone and you're trying to communicate something and you don't feel like you're doing a very good job, but all of a sudden they get it. They get what you're saying. Like those are moments of connection that you know, if it was just you always understood what I said, you wouldn't have like like there, there's a there's a 
there's blessing in the struggle sometimes, you know, like the struggle produces the fruit. It's that it's that caterpillar moment where it's like, you know, the caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly until it goes in the cocoon and struggles and and has that metamorphosis that then comes out with those wings. But that's me. I don't know. That's just my take on it. So I feel like we if we the more that we could understand each other on a deeper level emotionally especially it would be better and i think that that empathy is one of those things that is kind of close to that Mm -hmm. you know like if you empathize with someone i think that creates an understanding which draws closer well that's that's the whole thing the difference between sympathy and empathy you know like i don't know if you've ever heard of uh brene brown like she's she's this uh, she, she kind of got big and famous because of some TED talks she did. Now she's a writer. She's got a PhD, I think, from like the University of Houston or something like that. Like she's a social social worker, social sciences. Um, people who know her are going to know that I'm I'm butchering what she does, but um, she's done a ton of work on what does it mean. To, to have compassion what does it mean to have empathy and so she does a great job of distinguishing between sympathy and empathy and basically empathy you're right is not just understanding what people are saying because you can say to me hey jason like i'm really down because you know um something i was looking forward to is no longer going to happen and so i'm disappointed and i can logically hear what you're saying understand the words yes Josh is going through a hard time because of frustration and disappointment, and I'm sympathizing with you. But empathy means I'm going to put myself in your shoes, and I'm going to actually feel what you feel. And that's a different level. And so that happens beyond just words. That happens you know, at a different level of connection. Yes. So you think that the, like, sort of the takeaway from the Tower of Babel is that diversity is good i mean it seems simple but i i I do i think it's a yeah i think it's a couple of things i think that um the reason behind their wanting to have one language and to have one city and to have this huge uh tower was really their assertion of independence and i think part of what god is doing is saying by by actually having diversity and having a confusion of language, you can't depend on each other as much. You've got to depend more on me. And so I think ultimately that's kind of where he's coming from. But the byproduct of that is that in that diversity, the richness of faith, the richness of worship, the the, the richness even of the human experience is multiplied. I, I feel like it's more of like a, a hindrance to be honest with you like i feel like it's it's like there are these moments where human beings are reaching for something it's almost like uh i guess you could say that this is kind of similar to icarus the story of icarus you fly yeah it is yeah it it is but there's something in that of just like you know don't drink too big you know yeah i can't i mean it could be. It could be part of that of saying like you're not you're not actually you're not actually prepared for what it is you're trying to accomplish. And I do think that that I think that happens in life, you know, and I think I've had moments like that in my own life where, you know, I have a dream or I have a vision or I have, you know, uh, a 
preferred reality that I would want to see in the future. And I think there are times where in my own faith, I, I, I would say God probably has stepped in and said, that's that's not what's good for you. And um, and it's not me dreaming too big. It's just me not dreaming the right things, I think. So I think it's more I think it's less about trying to like, you know, say, hey, how dare you for trying to you know dream big and more of like a reminder. And this is the thing. I think this is the thing, Josh, like kind of boiling down to brass tacks like that most people's issue with religion is, is that there is a God who is in charge and he asserts that authority. And the reality is, is that most of us, if we're honest, all of us, if we're honest, have the same issue that the people in Genesis 11, Genesis 11 have, is that we want to assert our independence. We don't want to think that there's a God who's in charge. We don't want to think that there's a God who's in authority, because if he is, by our reckoning, he's doing a lousy job, <laughs> you know. And so yeah. I think that's part of what Genesis 11 is doing and really the Bible does is that it, it it's reinforcing though there is a God, there is authority, and he is good even though you may not necessarily agree with his definition of good. In a sense too though, I said this thought about how in a way the eating of the apple, the failure of the Tower of Babel to be built is an agnostic sort of way to look at things because like if you're agnostic, you think that, yeah, there's probably a God, but I don't think the human mind can understand it. Mm-hmm. So, like, that information that you would get from eating the apple or, like, if you were to build the Tower of Babel and reach that the heavens, you wouldn't be able to understand what mm-hmm. what it was, right? Like, mm-hmm. the mind could probably process it. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, it's kind of an ag- agnostic way of looking at things, those two stories. I mean, that's a I mean, that's a really interesting way to look at it. I'd not thought of it like that before. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess you could. You know, it's a. Um, I, I'm going to probably default to you know a, a positive view of that in regards to saying that um, it's probably for our protection. So, like, I'll give you an example. Like, I heard a story once. Um, I was listening to a speaker, and she was talking about um, being a little girl. And being curious about how babies were made. And so she went to her dad and asked the question. And the dad is is like, you know, sitting on his couch or whatever. And she comes and it's like, Dad, how are babies made? And he says, you see my briefcase over there, sweetie? Go pick that up for me. And so she went over, tried to pick it up. It was too heavy for her. She couldn't pick it up. And he said, there are some things that you're just not ready or strong enough to carry. And so he he gave her an explanation, but he didn't give her the whole explanation. Like, you know, as parents do, when kids ask those questions, you, oh, mommy and daddy love each other. And when they love each other, a lot of baby is made. At certain times in a person's life, like, it's not good to share 100% of the truth because they're just not able to process it or to contextualize it. I would say, and this might seem demeaning to people, but I would say that as a good father, God does the same thing with us. And he says, listen, even if I did share with you everything, to your point, Josh, I don't know if you'd be able to process it or make sense of it or to see how it all fits together. Um, And so that's actually a protection rather than a blessing. So, yeah, I think in an – I hadn't thought about it by using those terms because, yeah, agnostic 
you know, means not knowing. But yeah, you could say that 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 does apply in that way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a good metaphor for it. You know, I was thinking about like I'm already thinking about like what are we gonna do after this? Like, what's the next one? You know, because we haven't really talked about like what we're gonna do after this episode. Like, what's the next episode for topics? Um, yeah, and I was just thinking about like the diversity thing and talking about like like different religions. Mm-hmm. What would you think about that? Like, what if we did a thing about like because that probably was an offshoot of that, right? I mean, possibly. I don't know. I think it'd be but, great. Like, to, I mean, I think it's good to talk about different religions, different thoughts, and that sort of thing. Like, I, I, that doesn't intimidate me in any sort of way. Like, I, I think it's always good to kind of evaluate those things and and to pull from those things, you know, um, common common ground, you know. Right. We don't have to do that, but like we could talk about diversity, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I think part of it for me is like I also wanting to know like any like if there are things that like just questions of like, OK, well, why are things like this or why why do uh, why do churches do this or why does the Bible say that or, or, or how in the world are we supposed to make sense of X, Y or, or Z? You know, I mean, those are things I think that we could talk about as well. Yeah. And you mentioned the. How I guess did you say that that this kind of this Tower of Babel kind of leads into Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, eventually. I mean, um, because right after that you kind of get the story of Abram, and he's you know he's really the kind of the he's really the beginning of the Jewish faith in many ways. And yeah, you have the story that we talked about already in regards to Abraham and Isaac and being. You know, sacrificed. But then you've got right after that Abraham going to Sodom and trying to rescue his nephew and all that sort of thing and what that represents and why that was bad. And that gets into a lot of issues in regards to just sexuality and, you know, kind of kind of what the depths of of depravity really look like. Because that that was a that was a. That's what was going on there, right? That's where the word Sodom comes from. Sodomy, yeah. 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 So, uh, and I guess that had something to do with Nimrod? Sort of well, I think it, it's just directly descendants from his people. So, yeah, Nimrod's the guy who, you know, kind of started the Babel community, I guess you could call it. And, you know, Babel, Babylon is always associated as. Uh, something anti-God, anti-Christ. So even when you get into the very end of the Bible with Revelation, you know the representation of all that is evil is referred to as Babylon. You know, so Babylon really becomes the metaphor for anything that's anti-God. So that kind of really? starts. Yeah, that kind of starts here. And which is what, like, what, what in this period of time, what would anti-god be like anti-information like anti well i think it would be no no, not anti-information i think at this point what would be anti-god would be considered independence from god so in other words not needing a god not worshiping god not uh, acknowledging him and so my guess is it wouldn't probably be very um 
it wouldn't be too far from the truth to, to speculate that if they had one language and they were becoming one people, that they may have created their own religion as well. You know. So going back, to, yeah. So the going back to the what, like the Nimrod thing and the, the way they describe him as a what'd you say, Superman, a mighty man, a mighty man. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of like uh, what Nietzsche wrote about because he wrote about like Superman, just like people just like people like I don't know if he was. We kind of mentioned him when we were talking about Kierkegaard. Mm-hmm. And about like where Nietzsche was, they were the same f- type of philosophers, but they it's the beginning of that pe- pessimism thing. And but Nietzsche went the other way because mm-hmm. I don't know if he was an atheist or not. But like for some reason, the, the way they describe Nimrod makes me think that a Superman is somebody rejecting God and rejecting yeah that's her religion. I mean, you've got the seeds of that even in, you know, something much more recent relative to to our existence is, you know, what Nazism was. You know, Nazism and, and Hitler essentially saying, "Hey, there is a purity of mankind, and there is a, um, a hierarchy <laughs> in regards to uh, who should be accepted and who is the smartest and who is most prepared to lead." And there is a sense that within you know, Nazism, it's like the the blue blue eyed blonde hair is the Superman, you know, is is yeah. is the end all be all and anything be underneath that uh, that doesn't fit that is uh, to to be getting rid of. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think that there's 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 seeds of that for sure. Which is a strange thing then, though, because that would be like a that those people weren't Caucasian. Yeah, right. it's it's yeah, obviously – yeah, the, the definition of what a Superman is obviously changes throughout culture. You know, I, I think what, what happens here – I think – again, I think when you look at context and you look at kind of how these things are being presented, I think the idea of Nimrod being described as a mighty man more than likely is, is probably in reference to um, – because it also says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And it says, therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And some people look at that and go, okay, well, that actually might be um, part of part of you know the eventual military aggression of his descendants, the, his, his, the Babylonians, in regards to like they felt like, well, we don't need a god because we're so strong, we can take over everybody and we can do whatever the heck we want. And you see that. In the likes of the prophets later, like the Amoses that you referenced before, where um, God is speaking against the Assyrians, He's speaking against the Babylonians, the Nebuchadnezzars of the world, the the um, you know uh, the the big time rulers that are in history. Like we're not talking about people made up; we're talking about real people that historians recognize. And going, okay, the, that power often goes to people's heads, and they feel like, well. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was considered himself a god. You know, I mean, that's what the pharaohs did. They considered themselves divine. And I think essentially what God does throughout the history of his people and the history of the world is to say, no, there's only one God. There's not multiple gods. And I need to remind you of that. 
So doesn't that go directly against diversity, though? Like to say, hey, there's only one God, but wouldn't it be more diverse if more people believed in more things? So, which goes back because I didn't, I don't think I convinced you of of the bicameral mind thing. But <laughs> well, I, you, going back to that is was what I'm saying. It, it ties in the Tower of Babel in certain ways. Is that so? He believed that you know, with that schizophrenia, yeah that the bicameral mind created because the right hemisphere, the only way the right hemisphere could communicate with the left hemisphere was through auditory hallucination, which created uh, people thinking God was speaking to them. And he was saying that there was a lot more schizo- of that schizophrenia going on. And he believed that, that that directly correlated with there being so many early on in human development so many gods because everyone had their own god because they were all hearing these voices so in a sense you're talking about the tower of babel maybe that was a point at which what you're saying there's only one god god saying though it's just me not all these people talking in your head it's just me but in a sense that works against diversity well if you take diversity to the extreme which is again this th- this is part of the issue with with humanity is that we we struggle with with finding something that's good and not just allowing it to be good within limitation so for us in order to for there to be in order for there to be diversity we feel like there has to be diversity to the nth degree right and so i think i think to your point on the surface, yeah, maybe that sounds contradictory, but you've got to remember that God is constantly saying there's unity through diversity, that there's greater unity through diversity. It, there's a greater testimony. So, for example, like put it put it into like some contemporary examples when the presidential candidates in the last election for the U.S. go out and they're campaigning and they're campaigning to. Lots of different types of people, right? So, for example, Biden is trying to recruit the Latino vote, and he's trying to recruit the LGBTQ vote, and 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 he's trying to recruit the people from this particular area of the United States, and so on and so forth. It's it's more of a um, impressive show that he's able to bring all different types of people who in and of themselves may not agree on everything, but he's able to bring all these different types of people to one place to say we believe in this guy and that's who we're going to vote for rather than him appealing to the same group of people who all say the same thing and believe the same thing. It's like, okay, like who did you really convince? So it's not a perfect analogy, but but I think in a way – God's recognizing, look, I, I've created – like look at, the, look at the bounty of my creation. Go down to the ocean and just see the, 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 the bounty of, of, of creation, how different things are, and the, and the difference, the beauty of, the, of that difference actually heaps more praise on the one who is the creator. Now, it doesn't mean that… Just because there's a bunch of different cultures and a bunch of different languages that there should be a bunch of different gods. That's taking it too far. God has always said there is one. I mean that's what Yahweh means, right? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I see you smiling. I, I, I know because I feel like you like 
I'm just thinking of the thought of like God running for president of the people <laughs> saying like, it's just me, man. And then the, all the people are like, no, man, we need three parties. We don't need just right. you. We need a green party. <laughs> right. right. We need and, a, all and, these parties. But God's like, no, it's just me. I'm, yeah. r- I'm taking over. Because I have it's a almost limit, like it's almost I have an like, unlimited almost, war chest. <laughs> God is God is a dictator. Well, you know over. what? It's funny, Josh, you say that because in many ways, like you, you could look at it that way. But a but a gracious dictator who chooses not to impose his will and instead give people freedom of will and choice. But it just seems like an anathema to diversity. Only if you take diversity. it to the nth degree. Only, like only if you push of, it to the extreme. A diversity of belief, a diversity of of thought. I don't know. It's interesting though, like to, to talk about the diversity thing and like and talk about extremes. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if we're quite as a, as a species quite ready for all the diversity because we do still have like uh, people scared of it you know especially what we've seen lately in in america and england of white white males seemingly feeling like they're being backed into a corner because diversity is pushing them there you know yeah yeah i mean it makes people uncomfortable for sure and i think again i think i was gonna say i think that's a perfect example though of where and i want to be careful when i say this of where when we take a good thought and even a corrective and redeeming thought too far, right? So like when we talk about – and this is a big deal right now going on in the states in particular. When we talk about critical race theory, like there are some, there are some good things within that thought process that when you look at it and you just read it on a piece of paper, you go, yep, I can get on board with that. But then when it's pushed and it's taken to an extreme, it actually, I think, does more harm than it does good. And it does it does something opposite of what it's intended to do. So you're with Florida on this? No, I didn't say that at all. Okay. All right. I didn't well, say that. Wait, hold on. All, all I'm saying – I'm glad you brought that up because, like, that's part of the diversity thing of, like, you can't have diversity if there's one set of people saying – like no 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 no, uh, none of this. You can't you can't tell that to the people. You can't tell that there. You can't say that there's uh, a supremacy or a bias built into all these structures that we've yeah we've got in the world. There is, you know. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem. I, I I think it's very clear that there are systems over the centuries. <laughs> Of you know modern Western civilization that have been built um, to minimize, suppress, trivialize minority races. I, I I don't have a problem saying that at all. But I think where critical race theory gets dangerous is is essentially talking about you know reparations and talking about all these ideas of like okay well then if you're if you are of a a white race then there is no way you can't be a full-blown-out racist. And it's like, well, hang on. Like, I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm not saying I'm a perfect guy. I know that I have racist thoughts. I know that that is something that 
have been brought up with, conditioned with, that I fight against, pray against. But at the same time, I don't think that I can be painted with the same uh, – I can't be painted with the same brush as well. And I think what happens is critical race theories, um, theorists, when taken to the extreme, actually it's not about diversity. It's about painting everyone with the same brush, which is the opposite of diversity. So what they're what they're intending to do actually has the opposite effect. Well, I think the point they're trying to make. Yeah. Well, I think the point they're trying to make is that if you are white, you benefit from something because the system's set up for you to benefit from that. And the only way to change that is that white people are going to have to dismantle it. I think that's what they're getting at. You have to. I think that's a very. I I think that's an. There's so many white people that say the right things. I'm one of them. That and don't do any take any action. I agree. And I, 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 that's why I would say on the surface, I'm right there with you. I'm right there. But I think j- just just like, you know, again, try, I'm trying to be really careful here because I want to be I want to be as accurate and clear as I can be. It's a, it was a similar thing and continues to be a similar thing with the Black Lives Movement. Right. Like there is a there is a movement and then there's an organization. And the two can be very, very different from one another. And so when we use these words and we use these these phrases and these concepts, we just need to be very clear what we're saying and what we're not saying. And uh, and then also just to be aware that what the leaders and the foremost proponents and in the critical race theory world, the the academics behind it, because that's where it started. It started at the university level. Um, what they're actually saying and, and what they're actually proposing. Now, how people put that into practice is obviously different and so on and so forth. Um, but it needs to be – we need to be willing to critique that as well. I think that we should probably – we've talked enough. I feel like because I know what we're going to do next and because this is leading into the, what we should do next and we should stop now. Okay. What do I we think the power, are, you, are the we giving a – are we given a, well, a little hint into what we're doing next? Yeah, well, we just talked about it, about diversity. So I think the Tower of Babel, your main sort of takeaway from it is that diversity is good. And Well, it's, right, it's, like, it's one of the things. Like the main thing is, yeah, is that uh, God stepped in because man was trying to assert independence. And one of the ways he did that was by – um, allowing diversity to happen and the and the fruit and a benefit of that um, is that um, there there can be greater unity in worshiping one God <laughs> through diversity. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that's what we should talk about next is uh, is the is diversity and okay. sort of the uh, pitfalls of it or the laurels of it i don't know but anyway okay so that's that's it for tower of babel we um usually at the end we talk about how you know you should like share also we probably need to give a shout out to craig scott yeah yeah oi oi he he donated money to to the Patron. patron page um so he's he is due a uh a secret of the universe we promise we promised a secret of the universe. And I think that this whole episode 
was dedicated to him and <laughs> the secret of the universe was the the my talking about the bicameral mind like if you were ever wondering craig where consciousness how consciousness evolved it was because of the tower of babel <laughs> that's the secret of the universe yeah so if you ever wonder like why why do i always overthink things why am i so like in my mind about all these things it was because there was a point where there was a breakdown in the mind we all used to be schizophrenic <laughs> god stepped in corrected the course gave us metaphor and here we are mm. that's what your five dollars gets you craig <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we're doing a good job encouraging more people to be patrons. <laughs> I feel like we just gave someone the secret to the universe. I don't know what you're laughing about. Well, okay. I'm glad you're happy with that. I mean, hopefully he's happy with it. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. I think he will be. <laughs> I think he'll be edified by it. You think so? I guess we'll find out. I think we should encourage him to contact us and let us know. Yeah. Well. I still like the idea of like doing like a personal kind of question or talk from them. Like they get to ask, here's my question to unlock a key to the universe. And they can ask okay. us anything. All right. I'm open to that. Yeah. Um. I guess the way that he would ask the question would be, what, through Instagram? Like an Instagram story? Yeah, because we okay. want to continue to encourage people I mean, that, on all platforms to right. uh, engage with My Brothers Deeper. Right, and if you listen to this show, uh, you know, you could repost one of our posts. Yeah, send uh -huh. in your own question, you know, yeah. as well. Maybe I, that's what I should do is like – you know how you can do that on stories? You can do like ask a question, like have people ask questions. Yeah, to totally. There's like and a it, feature in And you can do like the uh, yes or no kind of uh, uh, percentage sort of thing. Right. So if there's anybody out there, though, that is listening to this and has something they want to hawk, that's <laughs> sort of in the realm of religious talk you know we're open to it i don't know if we have enough downloads like it may not reach enough people but you know we're still get there we're still out there looking for things so anyway that was fun uh, you know about the 30 minute mark i was kind of panicking because i was like oh man how are you like i think we're done <laughs> <laughs> well hey listen sometimes if they're shorter then it is what it is like we 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 don't have a script and so, you know, there are days where there are fewer words we need to use to communicate what it is that needs communicating. That's all right. But yeah, but we, I think we, we kind of pulled through there, but I don't think um, we ever should worry about being able to talk. Yeah. Cause we're yeah, both well, okay at that. That's a, I mean, that's a fortunate thing cause we're doing a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we thank you guys for listening. 
And next time we'll talk about diversity. You got anything else to say? No, just, uh, yeah, just continue to um, be able to, to like, share. I think, again, just the interaction part when we're talking about questions and stuff like that. Like if you're listening, um, liking and sharing is one thing for sure. But like we'd love to, to interact with you as well. Like if there are listeners that just simply want to know uh, more about us or have even suggestions on things that we might discuss um you know we're open to that like i think i want it to be kind of a um you know uh, the listener's show in some sort of sense as well you know yes definitely i'm with you there so all right well we'll we'll get on instagram and see if we can figure something out okay but, sounds good so that's all for now signing out bye or see bye and lesta rufus sorry rufus. yeah you ruined it all right thanks <laughs>